Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. So being a podcast almost exclusively about barefoot running and barefoot shoes, now would be the perfect time to go and start perusing the Vivo Barefoot website to find your pair that you're going to start using and take with you beyond this podcast to be able to take benefit from everything that we're going to be talking about. So if you want to go check them out, go to the link in the bio. We've had a code change. So make sure you use code TOB so that you get 15% off. That is TOB like the Optimal Body Podcast. Vivos are just so incredible in the way they help open up your feet, help you feel the ground. And there's a 100-day risk-free trial. So you can always get them use them. If you don't like them and if you're not completely satisfied, you can send them on back and Vivo actually refurbishes them so that somebody else can take advantage of those shoes in the future. Go check out the link in the show notes. Use code TOB15 and get yourself a pair of Vivos today. I'm so excited to bring in this next expert in barefoot running and barefoot benefits, Ben LeVacon. Ben is an experienced master trainer working alongside medical professionals in New York and London. Ben has coached hundreds of trainers and analyzed thousands of feet. He's a qualified personal trainer and functional exercise specialist. Ben is passionate about pain and injury, foot and body form, and function. He's a great person to check with to find out if you have healthy feet and an efficient walking and running technique. Jen and I really love this conversation with Ben because we do really talk into the nuances of running and why changing into a barefoot strategy for both your walking cadence, your walking mechanics, and your running mechanics can be so beneficial. He shares a little bit of his own story, and we dive into both Jen and my experience with barefoot shoes as well. Let's hop into the interview. All right, Ben, thanks so much for being here today with us. Um, We're excited to have a barefoot psycho, so your title (laughs) says, on the podcast, because Jen and I always are talking barefoot stuff, and thanks for taking time to be with us today. Great to be here. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jen. Wonderful to um, be here and talk feet and uh, bare feet and movement. So how did you kind of get into barefoot? Have, is, has it just been something that you've always believed in? Did you have a different kind of path as a trainer that led you into what you're doing today? Yeah, so I definitely had a, um, you know, an unusual um, route into training in that I, um, I mean, without going over whole careers, I worked in the city in investment banks and um mm a metal broker so doing kind of uh, trade services as it were like finance stuff then managed to wangle my way out of that into a world of clothing distribution my brother worked in in footwear he was the head of vans in the uk at the time oh, wow. and um i kind of moved into sales and distribution with him of an italian clothing brand so that kind of moved. The idea was I was going to be the accountant and kind of run the back end. And then my brother got a huge promotion at work. So I ended up doing all the sales and everything, which was a, a wonderful kind of learning experience of how to have your own distribution business. And we did that for a little while. And then I managed to actually work for the brand in sales. 
So somehow managed to transfer from a world of finance to a world of sales and brand management. And then in 2007, a friend of mine was working with Galahad Clark in a different brand to Vivo. He was working with United Nude, and there was an opportunity to, to meet with him and potentially look after some distributors. So I came to work with Terraplana on that basis. We were, you know, looking after a few different footwear brands and yeah, managing sales, traveling the world, selling shoes. Wow. So at that time, or fairly quickly after I joined Vivo, I, oh, sorry, after I joined Terraplana, I started wearing these funny Vivo barefoot shoes. And I'd worn Nike Air Jordan since I was 15 for probably, yeah, 15 years or whatever at the time. Um, and my brother obviously had worked for Vans. I'd skateboarded a lot. So I was definitely in the world of cushioned footwear. And when I started to wear the Vivos, my 10-year back problem <laughs> that I thought ran in the family as I didn't know anything about, you know, the body or movement at the time, miraculously got a lot better. Mm. And my kind of stiff feet and mostly my back, but definitely had a bit of, bit of sort of achiness in one's feet when standing at a trade show all day. And what I found wearing Vivos was that, you know, you'd go home after the day or you'd go back to the apartment, sit down for five minutes, stand up. And it was like I hadn't been standing all day. Mm-hmm. And that it was, it was amazing to me. And then, of course, this is all anecdotal. I think probably I, I walked a bit more, so I was less sedentary. Um, you know, I sat less. We started thinking about standing desks and things like that. And that was before I learned anything about movement. And then roll on a couple of years, people were doing ultra runs in Vivos. We'd learned more about feet. We wanted to focus more on, on the Vivo Barefoot brand. And so we left the other kind of fashion brands go away. And then around the time of the Born to Run book launch, I met a very knowledgeable biomechanist and I was fortunate enough to get a good grounding from him for, you know, six months to a year and then kind of, you know, help him promote that barefoot movement coaching within Vivo. Well, number one, let's talk about squats and things like that. Because the first practical we had, practical day I ever joined in on was, you know, going through the basic movements of can you stand properly on a pressure plate? Can mm. you do a squat? Can you walk? Can you run? And I was the worst person at squatting in the whole room. And my squats are still not fantastic by any means. But, um, you know, within a few days... And even on that day, my squat improved a lot. And there was obviously a lot of fear around the pain in my back. And it was wonderful to meet someone who had the experience and the knowledge to know how to, you know, deal with the emotional side as well as the physical side and get you get you to a place you wouldn't have thought you'd be able to go in months, never mind in a day or two. You know, and that inspired me hugely, which is why I really wanted to learn as much as I could about it and then seize the opportunity of getting more involved with that side of the Vivo business. And as part of the coaching courses that we did, the trainers who came on the course had to submit case studies. So I saw hundreds of running case studies very quickly as I had to look at them and decide whether or not they were good enough to, um, you know, pass to the master, as it were. So it was a very quick grounding in how movement can change your aches and pains on a day on a daily basis, you know, and massive impact on people's lives. And just the nonsense of of cushioning and footwear and <laughs> arguably the way running is taught in that it's not taught, you know, no one ever gets taught how to run really. Yeah. Um if if we taught kids 
swimming the same way that we teach running. There'd be a lot of kids that didn't make it to the other end of the pool, etc. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that is why I'm so passionate about it. And I had the opportunity to go and work with a chiropractor in New York for a year in 2013 as his kind of movement and feet man. So I got there, I got the opportunity to work with some amazing people and, um, you know, again, assess lots of feet and movement. Mm, I love that. And I mean, really, it, it starts foundationally with you and, and your first experience, like, wow, this really has helped resolve a pain that I've had for yeah. a while and haven't really found any other major solutions to. And it just seems like switching out that footwear made that change for you. And that kind of I feel like contradicts what many people would think where, oh, I'm going to be on a on my feet all day long at a trade show. Can you t speak a little bit as to how biomechanically putting something like a barefoot shoe on might help or relieve that back a little bit more versus wearing something that has a thicker cushion bottom like a Jordan or even like a dress shoe if you're at a, a, a fancier trade show? Because I feel like a lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to be on my feet all day long. And Jen, get, Jen and I get this question all the time from like nurses. They're like, oh, I need, a, I need a new good pair of shoes for walking around the hospital. And I feel like sometimes they're a little bit disappointed when they get a Vivo because they're like, oh, wow, this is pretty aggressive. I can feel everything and my feet get pretty sore after an hour or two of wearing them. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, cutting to the chase on that one, cushioning has the opposite effect than we think it does, simply put. So we walk softer when we're barefoot. When you can mm. feel the floor, you know, you tread softer. The job of the heel is to, of course, absorb impact, but it's to tell us how high those impact forces are and to change our movement pattern accordingly, either to not take a big, long stride when, when you're walking or running, and when walking to land a bit closer to the body, a heel strike is okay, but it should be thought of as a heel stroke, um, you know, and to, to, to use your shock absorbers, your plantar fascia and your Achilles, you know, arguably land flat foot, mid foot under your body when you run. Um, back to the biomechanics of kind of just simple barefoot, very interesting thing. So when I went back to the doctors after I'd worn Vivos and they measured my height barefoot, I am sure that before they had measured me, I'd been measured in Jordans before. Simply put, I'm taller. I was taller barefoot than I was before in Jordans. Wow. Because I, and it's, you know, obviously I hadn't grown. It's, it's simply when you've got a heel raise, it puts your hips out of whack. It puts your shoulders out of whack. Your head tends to tip forward. Of course, with a lot of mobility exercises and posture work, you can, you know, there are people that will get round that. So of course you'll get trainers out there who are, you know, emotionally and physically attached to their, their cushioning. And they're like, I am fine. I have no pain. But for general people who are not as tuned in, you need as much information and preferably a flat platform to stand on in order to align the rest of your body. Mm. Um, yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, I've had friends who have back pain and have gone more in that cushion route and said, well, I'm open. I'm open to trying the barefoot shoe. But as soon as they all of a sudden jump and went from super cushion to nothing, it, it, they actually found that they elicited back pain. Do you know why that might be or it was that too quick of a transition? Do you recommend a transition period in it? Uh, I mean, it could be a too quick a transition. Um, you know, it's it's 
it's rare that we get that feedback, you know, either in store or kind of through the web. But I, I get it. I mean, they're not magic. It's still up to you how you walk. Yeah. We do periodically get people who like to walk fast, come back and go, I can't walk fast in these things. My heel hurts. And it's like, well, actually, humans probably aren't supposed to walk quite that fast. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, arguably the cushioned footwear tricks us into moving in a way, you know, it's it's acute versus chronic, isn't it? So in, in barefootwear or when you're barefoot, you get that immediate feedback from your heel. And that immediate feedback is there to encourage you to walk in a more softer fashion. And if you are walking, you know, with less of a pronounced heel strike, that tends to have an improvement on your posture as well. Of course, if you carry on walking with a heavy heel strike, or if you've got, you know, a, a, a fundamental back or hip issue, you know, I know for a fact, my hip flexors were tight the entire time. And on that, you know, I'm sure as you will have experienced, people have spinal surgery because of certain issues that aren't necessarily causing the pain. Yeah. They get rid of a prolapsed disc or a herniated disc or something like that, but the pain doesn't go away. Right. And actually it may well be their, their psoas. So of course, this is why we have the, the kind of barefoot fundamentals course there as well to help people to transition smoothly, to, to think about their feet and footwear, to reconnect and mobilize their feet, to think about how they stand and walk, improve squats, jump run. And, and out of that learning process, come up with a nice daily mobility routine that's tailored to their particular needs. And of course, that simple course isn't going to answer everybody's issues, but it'll answer a lot. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I think you brought up a few really good points there that, well, one, if somebody is a runner or somebody has a certain preference for their walking style or running style, and suddenly they put on these barefoot shoes and and they notice that it's feeling a certain sort of way and they're not as easily as tricked because they have a really ingrained pattern <laughs> in their body and in their mechanics that it's, it, it would take time to change that. Um, and also, oh, you were talking about something that I wanted to mention, but I'm glad you brought up the Barefoot Fundamentals course and that you guys have launched this new platform over at Vivo called Vivo Health, where you can actually do a free barefoot assessment. Jen and I both went in and did the assessment and it kind of just teaches you what your foot preference might be. And then going on to Barefoot Fundamentals course, uh, neither Jen or I have really dove into that in depth at all, but that would be a really cool tool also to be able to continue to learn what you might need to do for your specific foot. Because me, for example, like I've always had a very rigid foot or a very high arch. And I, I was always in that camp of, oh, I needed a thicker shoe for something like basketball because I'm just pounding on my feet, I'm jumping, I'm doing maximal explosive exercises throughout the whole you know, event. That's one thing that I, I've always wondered, like, would I eventually be able to get to the point where I could wear a barefoot shoe or a minimalist shoe playing basketball? Because I've tried it a few times and I get done and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not quite ready for for that type of activity in this minimalist shoe. Um, you mean now? After How long have you been wearing them? Um, we're about three years in. I'm about three years of, you know, solely wearing Vivos. Uh, I mean, you know, I also had an extremely high rigid arch. And what's happened is it's definitely become more elastic. Mm -hmm. So when I yeah. stood on a pressure plate before, it was like my forefoot and my heel were two islands. It wasn't filled <laughs> yep. in in the middle. And even, even if I stood on, on one foot, so all, all body weight on one foot, you know, 
if somebody has a mobile elastic functional foot, it will splay a bit under a bit more load, and mine certainly didn't used to. Um, and over time, it it has definitely got more elastic. Um, you know, it's quite unusual how how high I can sort of make my arch go in a ballet kind of high arched foot and then um, expand it. So I think you can improve those. I think you can work on those things, you know, but I did do a, I did do a lot of running and a lot of running coaching, teaching people to jump all days, <laughs> doing a hell of a lot of jumps. And I think that constant low level, sort of low intensity, and by that I'm meaning jumping, not walking, but low intensity jumping helps to mm. um, improve the elasticity in your plantar fascia. Mm. Yeah, no, so, I think that's a great yeah. point. And again, I think you brought up a great point that everyone kind of starts at this set point and we do have the ability to change. You know, our body has this plasticity where we can, you know, stretch out things like the plantar fascia or, you know, gain more, you know, functional ability in that Achilles tendon. Uh, to be able to cushion. And I'm definitely noticing those things where I, I was very similar to you where I had two islands on my pressure plate <laughs> and now I can actually feel and, and see a little bit more of that pronation or that, that springiness um, to the point where I do go, go on trail runs in my vivos and it doesn't really impact the way my, my feet feel. So um, I've definitely been on that way of progression. I also know that there's a lot of studies that have been being done, like how long does somebody need to wear a vivo to be able to see significant gains in things like foot strength or foot mobility like what would you say is that timetable that they should start to see significant changes yeah i mean the the liverpool um university studies there was two sets of them one was kind of around older people and and balance um and postural stability physical function postural stability is balanced different way of saying it but um that one you get immediate improvement. So older people, even those who'd suffered falls, had better balance and physical function in vivos compared to sketches straight off the bat. That wasn't a particular, um, you know, mm. uh, customization. In terms of strength gains, there was another study that was done on students, and there was no exercise intervention whatsoever, or kind of technique or anything. It was here's a pair of vivos, please wear them eighty percent of the time during the day they had average 60% increases in foot strength in six months. Wow. Mm. I think that's such a cool study to see. It is. And, you know, it's a wonderful, simple study. And in many ways, I think it says more about how bad all the other normal chews out there rather than, you know, because ultimately Vivo is trying to be as little chew as possible. So, you know, as I like to say, where have the developments of multi-billion dollar shoe companies got us if going back to wide, thin, flexible, does nothing to embellish your foot footwear gives you a much stronger foot? Yeah. What And shame on me for being a scientist who hasn't gone and looked at the methods and, or anything, but what do they mean by increased foot strength? Are there specific muscles that they were testing? Um, how did they kind of quantify that, that increased foot strength? Yeah, that one, it's, it's predominantly big toe flexor strength. But okay. big toe flexor is going to include certainly the short and long um, big toe muscles, flexor brevis and um, longest, but it's also going to your abductor hallucis, which is arguably one of the most important muscles in the foot that yeah. helps to pull your big toe out and control the arch. You know, I may be, maybe a podiatrist will tell me off, but I would have thought that has an influence <laughs> on toe flexor strength as well. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty good indication of foot strength in general. 
Do you see people who, you know, come in and they're like, okay, I want to start transitioning, but I've been told to wear these inserts. How do I wear these inserts in my Vivo barefoot shoes? So whether, you know, that is orthotics or, or what is that other one? That's pretty common. I can't remember the exact names anymore because I don't use them. But <laughs> do you do you see these happening with people? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the time it takes it definitely takes a bit of explanation, and there is no harm if someone is really attached to their orthotics. Then you know they can they can put them into their vivo to begin with. At the same time. You know, I, I mean, we've had some really extreme cases of, of people that have worn um, orthotics most of the time for years, and nevertheless, they they tend not to sleep in their shoes in orthotics. <laughs> Sorry, <big laughs> silly. Um, so they are barefoot a little bit of the time, mm-hmm. and you know, there's definitely fear around it. So it's a matter of just try to build up that barefoot time. Um, very carefully. Now, with there are certain things that you can do to help them. I mean, we get into this in the barefoot movement coaching course. There's that test that you can do for aligned metatarsals, the Morton's foot type thing. Um, you know, if someone is overpronating and they've got an orthotic because of that, that in itself doesn't necessarily make sense because the orthotic is usually supporting the arch mm-hmm. and. The reason that the arch is collapsing is not because of the arch, it's because of a lack of function of the ball of the big toe and the big toe in stabilizing the foot and the arch. Mm. So the the uh, you know, there's a guy called Dudley Joy Morton who invented a very small pad that you put underneath the end of the first metatarsal, which helps to align the balls of the foot. Um, and align the loading and allow the ball of the big toe to do its job and the big toe. And that actually helps the arch to function. So, of course, like you can't go into that with someone, you know, you need to be with them to do it and preferably assess them on a, on a printer pressure plate, um, you know, unless it's very pronounced, in which case you can do it kind of by eye. Um, but, yeah, that's one thing that has helped certain people who've got, you know, and an, their feet, I feel that their feet have got weaker and their arches have got worse because of the years of orthotic use. Right. You know, the classic one, the classic one is flat feet. And so, so much of the time people come into store and say, oh, you know, I've been told I've got flat feet, so I probably can't wear these shoes, you know, I need arch support and this, that and the other. And you stand them on the pressure plate and they have not got flat feet. Mm. You know, there's a big difference between a low arch and a flat foot. And I guess you know, as a clever man said, the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. So a flat foot should be a pathological condition where the kind of navicular bones on the floor. And I've only ever seen a couple of those in thousands of people and or in, in a, you know, let's say a couple of thousands of feet and that they had both worn orthotics for a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to kind of point out that people, again, they're going to, everyone kind of goes through life and learns from a certain path. And, and if someone has been wearing those orthotics for a long time or seeing a more you know conventional podiatrist, like it's going to be hard to suddenly say, oh no, everything that they've been telling you is BS and you need to go this way. Like there, yeah, there, has, to hard. Be, there has to be some nuance in how we educate people in the benefit of transitioning to more of this barefoot style and that it may actually help some of these 
disorders or restrictions that you may have in your own art support or I, I just always laugh because when people say like oh I need art support I'm like great you have it it's there <laughs> it's there and built in for you and yeah I mean we could both go on about this <laughs> well yeah it's the classic it's like okay you need art support do you fall over when you haven't got it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly it's, yeah you know, and this is again the classic. I mean, I, I haven't done this. You know, imagine if you went to a dentist and the dentist went, "Okay, teeth. We've had teeth for a while. You know, the part." But actually, do you know what? Teeth aren't meant to chew, and I need you to wear this gum shield every time you eat for the rest of your life. Mm. What would happen to your teeth? Yeah, they'd probably they'd weaken and rot away, <laughs> and they'd fall out. Yeah, you know, and yeah. feet are no different. They need loading, and they need. I mean, they need it to be healthy. They need it to give you information about your movement, um, and they can be improved and trained just like any other bit of the body. People only change because they're inspired or desperate. So it's up to you know the likes of you, wonderful trainers, coaches, doctors, to uh, inspire people mm-hmm. um, before. They get desperate. And I guess on that front, you get to deal with both ends of those things. Because when people have let things go too far and they're in pain, then they're desperate. Then they look to find a solution. Yeah, This is the job of it. It's better that we get out there and try and educate people. So, you know, again, there's kind of fear or or sort of inspiration. And the, the fear angle is kind of there are 600,000 four-foot surgeries in America every year. Guess what percentage are performed on women? How much? Oh, like 80? 90. Uh, oh, my 90. gosh. So women definitely get, you know, the, the short end of um, footwear, without a doubt. Their shoes are proportionately worse than men's. Um, and un- unfortunately, they generally wear them too small. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. does not help. In shoe surveys, they find that women are wearing shoes, 80% of women wearing shoes on average about 1.2 centimeters too small, which is two sizes. Now, that being said, if you've got a narrow toe box, it doesn't matter how really how big it is or if it was the right size for you, it's still going to push your big toe in. Mm-hmm. And if our big toe is pushed towards the other one, there's another great research paper, Passive Hallux Adduction Limits Blood Flow you have less blood flow into your foot. So that very muscle that is there to help control your whole body weight, pull your big toe out and control your arch is, is relegated to a bystander in a narrow toe box. Mm. Right. Of course it is going to get weaker. And you know, this is again, why there's, there's some time to transition and, you know, going back, Don, to, to you saying about playing basketball, I know I, I know a few people that manage to play basketball in, in Vivos, but it is a super high-impact sport. So, you you know, you, you'd have to train hard. Uh, you know, at the same time, there are elite athletes from all disciplines now, you know, as probably have done since the dawn of time. All good coaches have done barefoot training. Now they can take that barefoot training onto – other surfaces they wouldn't be able to do necessarily with Vivo Barefoot. So you've got tennis, NBA, NFL, soccer, mm-hmm. runners, you know, you name it. Um, calisthenics guys, of course, like yeah. everybody getting into it. 
I mean, that tooth analogy, I think, is really great. Just being able to understand the reason that we need load and it's so functional for the body. And especially when, you know, I also love that study where, you know, you see that the big toe cuts off the blood supply, which is going to weaken what we're experiencing. And it's it just makes hopefully is starting to make sense in people's minds of, oh, yeah, I can't just massage out or put this orthotic to help protect this thing, I actually have to move. I actually have to put load. I actually have to change something that's happening in my foot in order to create a different result. And hopefully that's what we continue to see. And really, you know, the the study was there for itself to show that you start wearing these Vivo Barefoot shoes, you're going to start to make change naturally than your foot because your foot has to work. <laughs> and it's going to change the dynamic of how it works. But now how do we start transitioning people more into that performance side and running. I mean, a lot of people are running on concrete. They go outside their house. They're running through their neighborhood. Um, Is that a rough transition? Do you recommend people trying to find like a track or grass or like what is the transition that people should go to from, okay, I feel really comfortable walking barefoot. Now, how do I start running barefoot? Yeah, I mean, for sure, when starting, it's a really good idea to have gone through all of the steps of tuning into your body, connecting with your feet, thinking about how you walk, you know, a deep squat, kind of a deep squat with heels on the floor lets you know you've got enough ankle dorsiflexion to run with a flat shoe, as it were. Mm -hmm. So there's those kind of things before you even start. And then when you do... um, you've practiced jumping and you're really just doing walking, jumping and a little bit of running to begin with. And actually when it comes to the surfaces at the start, and I'm not not suggesting people go out and run for a long time, literally a few minutes to begin with, but the concrete, the super hard surface gives you that direct feedback that you really need. Mm. Interestingly, when coaches coach people on a track, People sometimes people will heel strike on a on a athletics track, you know, more than they would on concrete. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, so so to tune right into a flat, you know, just four foot heel kiss landing under the body, concrete is quite a handy tool to do it on. At the same time, as soon as you've tuned into that technique, and it's a good idea to keep going back and tuning into that technique on a hard surface, knock out your mileage as much as you can in or build up your mileage in in nature and on undulating surfaces and it's not necessarily you know the the kind of i'm not a fan of the we grew up in soft meadows um fallacy you go to a track in kenya gambia they are rock hard and the kids are running there barefoot on on rocks ultimately Mm -hmm. um that being said it is a bit more compliant than concrete so being off-road on hard off-road trails you can still tune into your technique, but the more important bit is it's not pan flat. It's not dead flat. So every foot strike is slightly different. And that obviously is going to use the, the muscles, um, tendons, everything in your feet slightly differently, which will help to avoid repetitive, exactly the same foot strike. And that being said, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you know, when a professional baseball player swings a baseball bat, they never swing it exactly the same. So. There's always going to be a little bit of variation, even if you're, even if you're on a rock hard surface. Mm-hmm. I like this concept that you've brought up, where a, a heel strike shouldn't necessarily be a strike, or that we shouldn't call it as much as a heel <laughs> kiss or a heel roll, or I don't know some of the, some heel of the stroke. terms. Heel stroke. Yes, yes <laughs> I love that term that you used. 
Exactly. So walking, heel stroke, not heel strike, because you wouldn't do a heel, a banging heel strike if you were walking barefoot. Yeah. Simple. And on that note, you know, again, we've, we've sponsored lots of, we're sponsoring lots of new research at the moment, lots of it into kids' foot development, kids' exercise programs, how kids with autism are affected by footwear, um, and also walking outdoors. Uh, but one of the papers is physiotherapists' attitudes towards knee osteoarthritis and footwear, because are they actually doing what's evidence-based? The, the science, there's a few papers that show walking barefoot and walking in minimalist footwear has actually reduced knee pain in people who suffer from knee osteoarthritis, exactly because of what we're saying, you walk a bit softer mm. when you can feel the floor. Um, you know, so yes, heel stroke when walking and just forefoot, heel kiss, very nearly flat foot when running. <clears throat> Is the is the goal, and and you know there'll be people out there that, that are going to go. Hang on a minute. There's studies that show 80% of elite runners in Olympic trials heel strike, and I think you've got to look very carefully at what their heel strike is because it's very close to landing under their body, and their foot is probably flat. And just because they've got a slightly pitched shoe, the pitch of the shoe is touching the floor first. You know, all yeah. all good runners are landing close to under their body, and that is the most yeah. important important thing. And with just with the velocity and power that those people are running at, of course, it's going to show some sort of extra, you know, force when they hit that heel. So that makes a lot of sense yeah. to me. And they've spent years, decades, you know, conditioning their entire body and anatomy to feel that. So, yeah. you know, what would, you know, half that impact force would give a normal person shin splints. <laughs> they've got strong bones. Yeah. Well, so now if someone is starting to run barefoot and they're used to dropping into pronation a lot um, and mm. and it might be putting a lot of tension on their posterior tibialis, is there ways that someone can start to build up? Does that start to improve just by gradually loading over time? How Or does the foot just start to adapt? Yeah, I mean, again, reinforcing the importance of the mobility exercises and in the coaching course, there's there's the kind of that recommendation of calf raises with a with a ball between your heels mm -hmm. to ensure that you're loading the the ball and the big toe, and that can definitely help with your um, tip post strengthening. But again, like it's the cushioning in footwear that enables us to do that heel strike, yeah. and arguably landing on a hard ball your foot can go in any direction and usually it rolls in, it pronates more than goes out. Whereas when you move to landing on your forefoot or rather flat foot, just forefoot heel kiss, the forefoot is hopefully a flatter surface. So by tweaking that technique, a more upright posture, landing closer to under the body with a quick rhythm, you will reduce that pronation anyway. Mm. Mm. That's huge. I like that. Yeah. I still can't get the heel, um, kiss, heel, stroke, heel, because I, I, I'm imagining in my head. So I think when I walk now, I'm getting really good at a heel stroke and the trail yeah. runs. That's where it, it's not as aggressive and I'm you know trying to be ready for the variable surface that I'm running on. So I'm probably likely in a, I'm a four foot lander, probably heel kissing. And then when I go to basketball, it's more like a heel collision when I'm jumping up for a rebound and landing. <laughs> I probably don't. So I, I need to 
keep progressing my heel kisses up to to the basketball court. Um, yeah, exactly. If if you're in New York, go and have a have, go play basketball with Mr. Josh Holland. Although you'll probably be traveling around the country soon. Um, I don't know if you know Josh. He's he's um, awesome. I've known him for a, a long time. He's a long long term sort of Vivo Beffer, but he's a, a wonderful trainer, coach, biohacker. Um, yeah, he plays basketball in Vivos. Amazing. I'll have to, um, I'll have to look him up. It's taken a long time to, to, to get there. Um, you know, I mean, I love skateboarding in Vivos. And that's another thing that people are like, Jesus, that's insane. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not doing 20-foot drops like I used to, but it's a wonderful thing to have that board feel. I guess for those, for those really extreme sports, potentially, and this is a long-time discussion, you know, do you need a little bit of extra protection for those kind of arguably not natural extreme sports? Equally, Mr. Bickler, who always gets quoted, but you know, MB won the Florence Marathon barefoot in two hours, 15 minutes, mm. running on cobbles. So, you know, feet can take some serious pounding. So I'd still love to believe that we can get our feet strong enough. Of course, the earlier that you start that journey, the better. I think there's room for a kind of five mils of something for helping people who are either transitioning into Vivo and running on other, other, you know, transitioning to Vivo and running or for your ultra runners that are on crazy surfaces or for skateboarding or for basketball, you know, Um, just to give you that something with the knowledge that when you have that extra bit of protection under your foot, it's going to trick you into moving slightly worse. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think like back when we were in our primal stages doing something like parkour or going going for a 20 foot skateboarding drop, like that was death. That That's something that our, our primal brain would not have been okay with. And so I, I, I like the way that you're talking about that. Well, and I just appreciate like growing up, I did gymnastics. So I was barefoot all the time and that was super normal for me. And I had a lot of loading and pounding in my feet and that's just what it was. So I feel grateful that I do have the foot I have and I attribute that a lot to growing up and doing gymnastics. But I know a lot of people, especially at a young age, who start to all of a sudden specialize in sports younger are sticking their feet into some really awful shoes. Do you recommend already starting for kids wearing these Vivo barefoot shoes and starting to kind of grow and transition in that way? Absolutely. You know, that's why we're doing a lot of research into um, kids' feet. And there's a ton. It's not new, you know. I mean, I'm talking about research, but there's been research for uh, since the early 1900s, even before that, about kids' feet and adults' feet and and all the rest of it. Um, You know, and equally, more recent research, pretty sure it was done in Kenya, where they were looking at kids there that still are barefoot and run to school barefoot compared to kids that are starting to become more sedentary and are wearing cushioned shoes. And the injury rates were 8% in the barefoot kids, 61% in the kids who were wearing shoes. And, you know, of course, that's got to be somewhat oversimplified. But, you know, it's such a dramatic difference. It, um, you know, it just makes sense to have as strong feet as you possibly can from as early an age as, as possible. Now, gymnastics is a phenomenal grounding. And talking of the the forces involved in gymnastics, even if you have got a spring floor, a sprung floor, you've got to be getting up to like five, six, seven times body weight when you're hitting the floor. Yeah. Easily. You know, yeah. And more, no doubt, more. And and it's the same with martial arts, to be fair. 
Mm. And and this is it's another classic. There's no MMA fighter who's, who'd fight in a pair of beefy cushioned shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that. No, that's very true. And I, I I thought of this when you were talking about the study you were talking about with the uh, elder individuals who had balance issues, and and immediately their balance was changed. And I think that that's a concept, or or the reasoning for that is the same reason a lot of the things we've been talking about with you know, runners and how it kind of tricks our brain into running slightly differently. Can you talk about why there's that immediate difference in balance? Yeah, I mean, the, the study attributed it, attribute, attributed it to the, the width of the footwear, um, you know, that your toes aren't squashed so they can actually mm. function. But of course, the, the thinness, the proprioceptive feedback yeah. um, is going to help with your balance as well. It's 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 all of those things. Sadly, in that in that study, uh, it actually came out in one of the things, the fall the falls one that people did better bare, did better in vivo than they did barefoot. Now that to me simply says that they're so disconnected from their feet that they needed. You know, a vivo comes with a very very thin insole, so it's a three millimeter sole on the thinnest ones. Um, mm. and then a couple of millimeter insole, if that, but that they performed better with that hint of cushioning. Hey, maybe it's in it just because they, they were older, they lost some of the fatty pads in their feet. Um, but again, I feel like cushioning does not help to keep fatty pads in our feet. It's a signal mm. to the, it has to be a signal to the foot that you don't need it as much. So it's got to go sooner if you're not using it. Mm. You know? This has been so interesting. And I love the research that you know, you've brought into this podcast episode and just the research that you guys are continuing to do. So I'm excited to continue to hear what is going on and what you're learning from these Vivo Barefoot Shoes and just more barefoot shoes in general and how that's impacting our health. And hopefully along the line, people will start to want to wear them as a preventative measure rather than you know, a reactive, oh, I've had this for a long time now, let me start transitioning in and actually start paying attention to your feet and hopefully even to the kids, you know, and that's that's what we want to start doing. And I think that this is going to really help people move more <laughs> and and feel better within their bodies. So thank you, Ben, for, for joining us and just dropping so many knowledge bombs and education our way on on really what Barefoot is doing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah. And anybody who's listening, make sure you go check out Vivo Health. And of course, Jen and I have our special code TOB15 if you want to grab a pair, if we haven't yet convinced you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll be yeah. chatting lots more barefoot stuff in the future. Yeah. And just go easy. As we say, there's a never ending barefoot journey to be able to do anything that you want to do, but take your time doing it and yes. learn the fundamentals. So much insight from Ben. I hope that you learned a ton about barefoot. You feel more empowered to start going barefoot. And if you're like, okay, what are those mobility exercises? What should I do for my foot? Remember that we have a barefoot mini course that starts June 13th. So this is your last opportunity really to get into our barefoot mini course. You're going to hear from a functional podiatrist and what you really should do and when it comes to orthotics, especially from a podiatrist point of view. And you're going to learn so much about your foot over 14 days. Each day is a self-assessment and then we use a tool to help improve if you have a limitation or restriction 
or weakness. So it really helps to just build this understanding of your foot so you can start to use your foot and hopefully get a little bit more barefoot within your life. So go check that out. We're going to have it linked in the show notes, or you could just type in docgenfit.com slash barefoot. So hopefully we'll see you in that course so that you continue to learn and feel better within your feet.